Her egotistical, imposing, blabbermouth nature riled up the ego in me to, you know, I stood around for a minute or two and once I noticed she wanted to take helm of the situation, I'm just like, okay, cool, take care, guys. And I walked off. And, you know, I said it with a bit of a sting. I'm like, okay, guys, take care. And I, <laughs> I just walked off. And I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, wow. I, I was a little egotistical there as well. What should it matter to me what she thinks? What should it matter to me if she wants to impose upon me and femsplain me, you know? Oh, you don't know how to lift that, do you? Oh, you can't lift that, can you? Uh, well, I can't lift it either. Maybe we should... Uh, uh. What should it bother me if she's going to femsplain me? She wants to run her mouth and femsplain me. All she wants. What do I care? All I know is if there was a burning building and that guy was laying there, I could have at least grabbed him up and dragged him, you know, out of the lobby of the building. I mean, I couldn't carry him up fucking two flights of stairs, probably. But you're like, I can move a body if I have to. <laughs> what do I care if she wants to femsplain me out of my manhood? Listen, it's just some fucking person talking at me. We both were in our egos. So, um, hmm. it's very interesting. And the takeaway for me is like how we impose upon one another and how we, how we're invested in what one another say, how we impose upon one another and how we're invested upon what we say and think of one another should never matter. You know, you, you do unto others as you'd like to have done unto you. And if a person wants to say something or have an opinion on you, it should be like water off a duck's ass. Quack. <laughs> Who fucking cares? So that was a good ego check for me. You know, it's easy to point your finger and go, hey, look at that egotistical dumb bitch, right? And it's like, well, what else am I? I'm the same egotistical dumb bitch. You know, getting all in a huff because some woman femsplained me. I mean, what else would she, what, what else, what, what do most people do? They walk into a situation and they prorate it in their favor. I'm the smartest person here. I'm the smartest person here. I'm going to say something. I'm going to give an order. It's me. And that's how people are walking around in their own little worlds. Kings and queens of their own device. So... of an eye-opener for me. What's happening, everybody? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent um, December. <laughs> December 5th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan the podcast snow snow the world could go to hell without snow snow bing crosby beating the shit out of his children slapping my son silly snow snow those big ass ears of mine snow Punching my son in the face, snow. Punching my children in the head, snow. And the big ass Dumbo ears, snow. Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. Who's that walking down the street? Are they shovels or are they feet? Lean and lanky, skin and bone. Ip the dip in the H2O. It's the old school master. What's his name? Ichabod. Ichabod Crane. Ichabod, what a name. Yes, sirree, Bob. 
Old Bing Crosby, snow. It's like snowing up a snowstorm. Snowing up a snowstorm out the window, folks. Really shit the bed on my afternoon. I was going to go get a falafel, you know? Anyways, if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. This is a show where I bitch, wine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs, forever. Snow. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, Jonathan, pronounced Jonathan ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles. If you are digging the show, folks, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Sharing is caring, folks. You know it truly is. Snow, Dumbo Ear, Bing Crosby, Snow. And if you're a returning guest to JRP, if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, or maybe you're surmised, I am an actor extraordinaire. That's being in the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Yeah. Acting schmacting. You ever have one of those days in your career where you're just like, ah, tax collecting, smacks collecting. Whatever the fuck it is you do to turn a lousy buck, you know, keep the landlord off your neck, you know, whatever it is you got to do to, you know, feed the old stomach, you know, fucking bird watching, smurd watching. I'm sick of bird watching and documenting it and all that shit. I'm sick of it, you know, like whatever you got to do to make money, like um, do bird watchers get paid? I imagine they do. You know, I'm David Attenborough. I have my penis in a tulip bed as I'm watching the English countryside sparrow. (laughs) Ah, My dick is in a garden of petunias as I watch the great English countryside sparrow (laughs) flitting about in its natural habitat. Like, I, you know, like them David Attenborough... David Suzuki types that, you know, them fucking egghead ignoramuses that are, you know, bird watching, bird collecting, you know, like Norman Bates type, taxidermy type bird watching weirdos, you know, sickos. Or like if you work for the government, you know, you're like, I don't know, you issue people their tax forms and all that shit, you know what I mean? Or if you, you know, you're a chef, you're a bus driver, you're a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, an electrician, you know, a daycare worker, whatever your bag is. Do you ever have those days when you're just like, work smirk? You know, that's how I was this morning. I was like coming up with ideas for the podcast. I was like, okay, well. I talk about acting as I am an actor. What should I talk about today? Ah, acting schmacting. Just one of those fucking days I don't give a shit. Now, don't get me wrong. If you got a part for me, please, I'll take it. Please, I'll take it. Please, I'll take it. I mean, whatever you got, I'll take it. I mean, whatever. Hey, you know, whatever you got, I'll take it. Please. But I don't want to come across too desperate. Like every now and then in a career, you just have to say, fuck it. Right? Have a little bit of me time. So that's what I'm dealing with today. You know, like I said, it's snowing up a snowstorm outside. Really shit the bed on my afternoon. I was going to go get a falafel, you know? Anyway, uh, I might still do it. I bought these, like, uh, snow goggles. I guess they're really motorcycle glasses because, like, I like to walk a lot. But you ever notice that sometimes it gets snowy in a snowstorm? And, you know, you can't really see where it's dog shit, you know, just going around squeaking. And my visage, this old face of mine, this is my bread and butter, baby. I mean, I'm an actor extraordinaire. I can't be squinting, ruffling up the eyelids, ruffling up, furrowing the brow. I can't, I can't risk any damage to this visage of mine. This is my moneymaker, baby. 
So to avoid squinting in them windy snowstorms, I bought a pair of motorcycle glasses. So, you know, maybe I'll strap those on, go for a walk, get a falafel after the podcast, of course. And, um, you know, but every now and then in a career, whatever you do, you know, that talent, that work ethic, that skill within you that we offer up daily to the universe, you know, to continue counting beans and paying the rent, you know, those fucking things you do. Every now and then you have to just say, acting schmacting, work schmirk, fuck it. So I don't have much to report as an actor today, though I did do a little entertaining bit about work as an actor. See how sometimes things work out? So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Bamcharan, actor extraordinaire. Quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes. As I mentioned, uh, a lot of snow going on. Snow. And um, I usually keep my online streaming time to this type of year. This time of year. Fall. Winter. You know? Weather gets a little bit chillier. There's not as much reason to be outdoors unless you're working or commuting. Or, you know, whatever the fuck it is. Tobogganing. So, as it is, I've had time to catch up on some specials. Yes, I've been watching a lot of great stand-up comedy specials on Netflix. um, And I don't feel it my place in my career at the moment to speak on other comedians, whether it be good or bad. I would never speak badly. I would never speak criticism to another comic's work publicly, though I do have my own opinions. Suffice to say, I'm just not in the place to... um, And I don't know if I would ever even get to that place. It's just not really my bag. You know what I mean? Generally speaking, when it comes to the comedian, I believe that it's a career, it's a form of performance, it's an art form that you can't really fake. You can't really fake a fan base of fans that want to come and see you perform live. Stand-up comedy is a very specific thing. A comedian goes onto a stage... And for the course of an hour to, you know, an hour 20, that's the general, 45 minutes to an hour 20, that's the general headline spot. Some comics go above that, some go slightly below it. Again, you know, to each their own. And it's a a specific task to make an audience laugh and be engaged with your stage performance. They have to be laughed. They have to laugh. They have to be entertained. And how you do that is your own craft. But, I mean, it's really only one outcome. They have to laugh. You can't really fake that sort of interest. You can't hold people's attention for that long and be faking the funk. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of Pop-Tarts and Pop-Stars that, you know, Who knows how they got there? Somebody just, okay, we're going to, this person has an interesting look. We'll just tweak their voice a little bit on autotune. Okay, cool. We can play your song at fucking Walmart. Oh, yay. Now they're, they're famous and there's pictures of them and whatever. Or there's actresses and actors. Actors and actresses that, I don't know, they have an all right look. I mean, so what? They can memorize a couple lines and mumble it into a camera. Oh, what are you talking about? You're leaving me. Oh, don't you know I love you? Yeah. 
Oh, they mumble some fucking lines into a camera. Okay, cool. Now they're an actor. Oh, and they, they put them on Rolling Stone and diddly dumb. Like there's a lot of ways to disguise art. I mean, look at that dildo who used to draw Heinz beans cans or what were they? Campbell soup cans? Tom- tomato soup cans? I mean, look how that do- doorknob fucking disguised art. I mean, I'm not going to get into it. Didn't I say I wasn't going to? No, I said I wouldn't critique comedians openly. So yeah, I can make fun of these stupid pencil painting dickheads, right? Like, what was it? Andy Warhol, you know, drawing up fucking soup cans. Oh my God. And they're hanging it in museums and singing his praises to this day. You know what I mean? Granted, it was a lovely soup can. And um, I think he had other types of work that led him to that specific thing. He was obviously talented. But the point being, with such a landscape of subjectivity in art, one thing about the comic, which is quite different than many other things, is you can't really fake the formula. The comedian walks onto a stage. They generally have an hour to talk. And within that hour, they have to be funny and engaging. And if the people aren't laughing or engaged, they're going to heckle, get up, and walk out. They're not just going to sit there politely and go, Oh yeah, nice soup can. They're going to go, What the fuck is this shit? Get me out of here. Boo. No, I don't agree with what you just said. You hurt my feelings. Boo. Wine, bitch, bellyache, get up. You know, like, they're not just going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, art. So my roundabout point is, that is what is very specific about the art form of comedy. Can't really fake the funk. So to any comedian working, I give credit where credit's due. I mean, it ain't no accident that they got there. You you don't really engineer comedians. You can manufacture art. You can manufacture... I mean, you can... Well, could they? Who knows what the future holds, you know? (laughs) Social media sites and, you know, all these uh, tech companies, they might bioengineer the comedian to be unoffensive and funny to everybody. They might come up with some biotic bionic fucking comic who knows but generally speaking for a comic to be successful and have a fan base that's organic that person got seen doing their art long enough to which they gained a following you can't really fake the funk on that one it's either People find you funny and are willing to engage with your humor. Or they're not. They're not just going to fold their hands across their lap and cross their legs and, you know, stare at you on stage and go, yeah, nice soup can. See how you already know it doesn't work? Or you see how you already know that I'm right? Because I just repeated a joke can't go on stage and repeat a joke people just look at you like what nice soup can you already said that yet you can put out songs that sound the same over and over and over again and get millions of downloads you can paint the same stupid fucking looking picture time and time again and sign it under some other artist's name and hang it in a fucking museum somewhere where dildos will travel across the world to see. Uh, uh, there it is. Uh, standing in line at a museum like a fucking egghead ignoramus. But God forbid you go, nice soup can, twice in a set. Hey, you already said that. Boo. Hey. I'm offended. My father used to work at Campbell's Soup. He packaged fucking soup cans for 50 years. He put me through college, you asshole. Boo! Comedian Jonathan Ramtran facing backlash on St. Campbell's Soup criticism. (gasps) 
What do you have against soup cans? You soup Nazi? No soup for you. Seinfeld. Brilliant. But anyways, you get the picture, right? So you can't really fake the funk as a comic. And, um, you know, I would never, um, I would personally never criticize another comic's work openly. Even though I do have my own, you know, opinions, I would keep them to myself. So that being said, um, long story long, I'm not really too comfortable giving praise or criticism of another comic's work. So I've been watching a lot of great content on Netflix, online, seeing a lot of great comics. And, you know, feels good. Feels good to, you know, enjoy the art form and laugh as an audience member. And that's a great thing to enjoy during this time, you know, coming into the winter season. So, uh, yeah, definitely. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Quick sip of water, balls. Don't mind me, balls. <clears throat> so, as I mentioned, I recently started my own production company, Noi Productions. A production company where I can wet my beak, so to speak. Um, podcasting endeavors I want to dip into, you know, other lanes, lanes of podcasting, you know, guests. I'd like to get into a, sorry, my nose is tickling. Um, you know, I want to get into a, a documentary, feature film, um, skit, sketch, scat, skadoodle, the whole kit and caboodle. Noi Productions. And in that pursuit, very much like any independent business owner, you got to do things to pay the bills. I work a Joe job. I've been working um, various gigs within the last year. Um, getting the job done. You know, and um, it's been challenging You know what I mean? It's very hard to hold down a 40-hour work week. And I hope that that's one of the things that um, this whole pandemic is bringing to light. That in this time where one of the news threads is that employers are having a hard time getting employees. Well, I hope this is also bringing to light some of the unsung praise of the workforce. It is a commitment to hold down a 40-hour work week. That is a major significant time chunk. You know? I mean, your day is pretty much spoken for when you work full-time. You have enough time to sleep, wake, Get what other little things you need to get done, you know. And as a single man, I find that uh, as a single man um, operating, you know, my podcasting, my production company endeavors as a stand-up comedian, as an actor, you know, as a single man, just holding down that 40-hour work week to pay the bills is challenging. I couldn't imagine... um, Well, I guess I could. There ain't nothing wrong with responsibility. You just got to rise to it. But imagine those people out there and the the very much everyday occurrence of the working person. They're married. They got family, friends, children, children that they have to parent. And committing to a 40-hour work week on top of all those obligations plus the very much needed rest and relaxation personal time. It's very trying. And during this time of pandemic, I hope that's one of the things that... uh, 
can be brought to light? I'm not quite sure how that would play out. It seems like in a worldly sense, in a worldly sense, we take joy in controlling others, you know? It never seems enough for the boss to make the job about the job. That's one thing I noticed about the working world is, you know, there's a speed in which things can get done and be efficient, right? Let's say this is the speed. Sorry, uh. Yeah, it's like like this. Let's say this is the speed of how things get done. This is like a visual cue for all y'all who are listening. Um, so this is the speed in which things are getting done. And hey, that's efficient. That's very efficient. And things are getting done. And, you know, a worker can commit to a 40-hour work week and show up and have their mind safely on the task, focused, and also... You know, with a sense of ease and personal dignity. I show up, I do my job, and we're working at a moderate pace. Things are getting done. But it seems like most employers always want to add a little bit extra. They want they want to be in your head. So then instead of making it about the job, it becomes something else. We want to control your thoughts and have you 100% focused at all times. We want to squeeze every second of effort out of your shift. So instead of having a moderate logical, safe pace, as I'm visually indicating, they always turn it up one extra notch. So where we have the work pace being steady and efficient, they crank it up one extra notch to make it anxious and hell-ish. So now everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off just to go up one extra notch. And you expect people to want to commit to that horseshit 40 hours a week? Why don't you take your foot off your employee's neck and they might have some gratitude for the fucking job, right? That's my basic take on um, the working world. It's like they always crank up the anxiety one extra notch, a notch above rationality and reasonable, reasonable, reasonability, reasonability. You know the fucking word. Don't be a dildo. You know what I'm saying? Reasonability? Reasonability. Is that a word? Reasonability? Reasonable. Well, you know what I'm saying. Reasonably. They always crack it up one step above reasonably, right? So it creates like this anxious vibe. I'm working at this place right now where it's like a a cookie fucking warehouse. (laughs) And we're snatching cookies off the cookie line and putting them into... It's like a big cookie warehouse. And all these cookies come down the factory line and you have to grab the cookies off the conveyor belt and put them into the little trays little trays that way they can get sent off to be packaged and all the fucking people are flitting and running about and you gotta grab the cookies you gotta grab the cookies you gotta grab the cookies grab them quicker grab them quicker and it's like the normal pace would to be just you know steadily moving the product but they want to crack it up an extra notch where it's like completely anxious everybody's like double time running around grabbing these cookies to put them on these trays to get packaged. I'm like, I bet you the turnover rate here is like consistent, a consistent turnover rate. It's like you got, you're getting stepped on to fucking go, 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 go needlessly when it's like, why don't you just set a moderate, efficient pace and get the fuck off everybody's back? I mean, it's not so bad. 
another thing I'm learning too is like, I am a disgruntled person. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I have a little bit, I do have a conflict. Because while I do see the unnecessary pushing of the quote-unquote boss, while I do see the unnecessary capitalist stranglehold of the man, I also do see the lack of appreciation in the workforce. Because I see in myself too, like, Sometimes I'm just really not willing to hustle because I'm annoyed. There's a certain part of my ego that's just like, why the fuck are they making a big deal about this? Blah, blah, blah. This is what I want. This is the pace in which I want to work. But then again, it's not my company. It's not my business. They hired me to do a job. Should I try to rise to their standard? But it is a crazy, stupid, breakneck speed standard unnecessary right it's food for thought you know I'm telling you these bi- these biscuit bitches are fucking you know you gotta grab the cookie this way grab the cookie grab the cookie grab the cookie quicker 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 pick up pick up pick up pick up and it's like it didn't even strike you as odd that like you're in an anxious state of being your entire shift. Why would anybody want to show up to a place where, like, in my mind, if you're willing to commit to a job, show up to a job, and work at a moderate pace, what more can they ask of you? Because that's not an easy thing to do. As I mentioned, I hope this is something that comes out of this pandemic where it's like, hey, you know, it's not just about the work that you do at the job. It's also the commitment to hold and maintain the job. The commitment to have a place designated in your weekly schedule, a 40-hour chunk designated out of your life in your weekly schedule to a company. That's a major commitment. And you should have the wiggle room that if you're going to commit to a job then you should be able to show up and perform without the axe of capitalism swinging above your neck quicker 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 pick up pick up pick up pick up quicker this way that way shut the fuck up and let me just work at a moderate pace where's the fire we're going to package cookies today and then tomorrow We're going to package some more cookies. And guess what we're going to do after the day after that? We're going to package cookies. And guess what's going to happen the day after that? We're going to package cookies. And guess what's going to happen every fucking day I show up to this fucking job? I'm going to be packaging fucking cookies. What's the rush? What's the fire? Where's the fire? Doesn't mean anything. It's just because what? Like, isn't it common sense to know that people are impatient and when it comes to getting what people want, generally speaking, sooner rather than later. It's not based on any need. It's not based on any reality or logic. It's based on just the capitalistic axe swinging. Now, quicker, more, give me. But then again, these fucking peasants, you know, I among the peasant class, lazy, shiftless fucks, like, like, come on, come on, you can tell by my general speech, (laughs) you know, I do have somewhat of a egotistical, you know, I really don't, I really don't, I, I believe in like a fair pay for a day's work, and I, I believe in giving my attention and work to a position. I don't like being lorded over and, you know, treated like a rented mule, basically. Should the worker not have a certain amount of sovereignty, a certain level of 
wiggle room given to them if they commit to show up and work at a moderate pace. That's not an easy thing for anyone to do. It takes a lot out of one's time. So that's been my revelation in the workforce as I go on, you know, with my production company, Noi Productions, as I go on supporting myself in my artistic endeavors. As I go on and do these little working gigs, it's really interesting to notice how how that anxiety plays in. You know, that the extra push to get things done when it's like, yo, we could just chill. Chill and work at a more moderate pace and then every day is manageable. When everyone's stressed out, then it's like they, they how do you look forward to coming into a place where you're just ragtagged and fucking horse whipped every day, basically? Now it's a bit of a stretch, bit of an exaggeration. I haven't been horse whipped. But I have been nitpicked and henpecked to death about these damn biscuits. Fucking biscuit bitches. Anyway. Moving on. Um, <laughs> and in preparation for this newest gig that I've been doing, um, I had to go get some laundry done. You know, I went to the laundromat and getting ready for the work week. People, as I notice... They're really into their own worlds. Like, I, I I took my clothes out of the washer. I put them in the dryer. And just as I was doing that, three women came into the laundromat. Three Filipino ladies and talking and talking and Filipino. Those little Pilipinas. They're squawking and kabikin, and I'm looking at them, right? I'm like, oh, God. Right? They had heaps of laundry. It's like, what'd you do? Store up your whole laundry for a year to bring it all in at once, you stupid, dummy, dildo, ignoramus, egghead? They're just chattering and nattering away. I'm like, Looking at them, I'm like, this reeks of illogic, backward, confusion, anxiety, and stupidity. I'm just looking at them, and I'm like, oh, God. They had, like, a truckload of laundry. Luckily, I hadn't been there first, did my laundry. Now my stuff was going into the dryer. So, you know, I, I left the laundromat, went and did a couple things I had to do. I come back to pick up my laundry. I have a few minutes left on my cycle. Well, because they brought in like fucking 20 loads of laundry all at once. Illogical, like I said. Like how, how much laundry... Like... Doesn't it seem more logical to do laundry as needed? That way there's not this big fucking push to do fucking a ton of laundry all at once. Anyways, there's only so many washing machines. There's only so many dryers. So all the dryers are preoccupied, right? So they're just... They're just like chattering and nittering and tittering about, about, I think they're talking about the, the dryers, right? There's no dryers. There's no dryers. Well, you know, sorry that they can't accommodate 50 drying machines to coincide with your 50 loads of laundry. Stupid. But anyways, they're bitching about the fucking dryers. And I'm standing there, right? And one of them turns to me and goes, um, Can, excuse me, can we take the clothes out? Can we take the clothes out? Uh, take it out. Can, can we take it out? Somebody's drying cycle had just stopped, right? And I was like, well, why don't you just give them a minute? They're, they're probably somewhere around here and they're going to pick up their laundry. And uh, the one lady goes, The clothes have been done for 20 minutes. 
first of all, it hadn't stopped in 20 minutes. I mean, it, it had stopped for like a couple minutes. This person's laundry had stopped drying for like a couple minutes. The clothes had stopped for 20 minutes. It's like, no, it hadn't been 20 minutes. It's been like two minutes. Calm down. Secondly, why are you yelling at me? What does this have to do with me? Isn't that interesting in this world? How people just talk at one another and call you over for your attention and give you the business about what they think. The clothes have been done for 20 minutes. Okay, so the clothes have been done for 20 minutes. What does that have to do with me? Are they my clothes? Have I been holding you up for 20 minutes? Why are you talking to me? Why are you shouting at me? Of course, I didn't say that, right? But it's just so interesting how people can get at one another and throw around such negative energy and impositions over things that have nothing to do with one another. Ding! My clothes finish. And of course, in a split second, ding! The alarm glows off. My show, my clothes finish. One Filipino lady, she's looking at me. Your clothes are done. Your clothes are done. Waving at me. Waving at me. Your clothes are done. Oh, thanks for pointing that out. I guess I was just standing around, uh, you know, for my health. I hate to use that reference, you know, like, uh, but, uh, you know, kind of lame one. But what do you think I'm doing? Standing around here for my health? Kind of a lame thing to say, but I, I didn't say that, right? I was just kind of like, okay, well, obviously, right? Like, I'm, there's only one reason why I'm standing here. That's to get my clothes. <laughs> so, um, anyways, I get my clothes and, uh, you know, I beat it out of there. But before I do, you know, I guess um, they were watching my drying cycle. See, I put mine on delicate because, you know, as a thinking man, I'm thinking, well, you know, a little less heat, a little less little less shrinkage, little less heat, little less shrinkage. So as I'm putting my clothes into my uh, bag, one of the Filipina, the little pinas, they turn to me and they go, So mom, mom, are they dry? Your clothes dry? Are they dry? I'm like, yes, they're dry. Now, obviously, I think what their question was referring to is, as I mentioned, I put mine on delicate drying cycle as opposed to permanent press. Now, permanent press, I believe, is a higher temperature of heat. Delicate is, you know, if you want to be a little delicate about the situation. I would imagine most things having to do with laundry are considered delicate. But, um, you know, I had my heating setting on delicate. So, you know, they're, they're looking at how I do my laundry. They're watching how I do my laundry. They're getting to the business about my laundry. You know, they got all these questions about my laundry. Hey, did it, did it, is it dry? Did it come out dry? I'm like, yeah, it's dry. I didn't, I didn't really snip at them like that. I was just like, yeah, it's dry. You know, and I hightailed it out of there. I'm telling you about them Pilipinas, you know. A lot of them Pilipinas, beautiful women, you know, but they're real angry people, man. <laughs> I mean, you think black people are disgruntled and obnoxious and whatever, man. Them fucking Filipinos, like, uh, like uh, the first generation, you know, like from the motherland, like straight from the motherland. Them Filipinos, they're always angry, talking shit. I ever come over here and talk to me that way, I'll fucking knock you the fuck out. You know what the fuck you're looking at? I'll fuck you, fuck, fuck you too, boy. I'll fuck, fuck out of time for this shit today, boy. I'll fucking, are the clothes dry or are the clothes not dry? Answer my fucking question. I got a question. I want you to answer my fucking question. Are the clothes dry? I'm gonna fuck you too, motherfucker. You're gonna fuck with me? You're gonna fuck with me, motherfucker? Fucking Filipinos, boy. They're some angry motherfuckers, you know? <laughs> like, every time I've been around, like, them fucking from the motherland types. Angry, disgruntled men and women, five foot tall. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
I got some beautiful women, and uh, you know, the dudes are pretty cool too. They're real manly, manly men. Uh, they love to sing. <laughs> you know, the second generation. Is it second generation? Is the like I, I'm like a second generation Caribbean. Like my mother was from Trinidad Tobago. Straight up born and raised. So I'm second generation, right? Because I was born in Canada. That make me first or second generation. Anyways, like the the second generation, I think it is, right? Or for whatever. You know what I'm talking about, right? The ones born abroad, you know? Whenever that goes for any race. You know, the people that are West, I guess maybe it's because I'm a Western person. That's how I see things. But whenever you are in a Western world, you seem to have a little bit more of a, well, maybe it's less of a worldview. Maybe it's harder conditions to come up against. I really don't know. Anyways, next time you're putting your clothes in the dryer, try Delicate. It's a pretty good setting. Little less heat, little less shrinkage. Right? As opposed to permanent press. Answer my fucking question, motherfucker. Are the clothes dry? You put it on delicate. I was going to put it on delicate, but I thought I'd ask you first if it's dry. Otherwise, I'll put it on permanent press. I don't give a fuck. Don't fuck with me today, boy. Anyway. And before I get out of here, you know, I guess the theme I'm talking about here is imposition. Much of the suffering in this world is by careless imposition. A lack of respect in space and thoughtfulness for one another. I'm walking down the street. I see this guy, obviously a street person. Street person kind of a guy. He's fallen out of his wheelchair and he's writhing on the curb. He's all laid out on the curb. Knocking shit around here. Sorry, folks. He's all laid out on the curb. Writhing. I'm like, okay, he's obviously intoxicated in some way. I pop up next to him. Uh, can you help me into my chair? I want to get into my chair. I'm like, okay, sir. Well, just put down the cigarette and let me help you try to help you. I'm looking at this guy and his, it looks like he had some sort of gout or diabetes or something. Because his legs were all inflamed and they didn't look too steady, his legs. So I couldn't really be sure if his legs didn't work or if he was drunk. Like, I was asking him questions like, do you think you can stand, sir? Here, give me your hands. And as I tried to lift him, I look, and he had pissed his pants. He had obviously pissed his pants. But still, I got in, and I tried to, you know, I gave him my hands, and I kind of backed off at a distance. I was seeing if I could help him stand up. Like, I didn't know what kind of power he had in his legs. But like I said, he was drunk. He was writhing around on the floor like an idiot. This woman comes flying in out of nowhere. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to help too. I saw that. I thought I'd come over here and help, you know. Um, and she looks at me. She goes, oh, you can't lift him, huh? Oh, I don't think I can either. Maybe we have to get him to something. Maybe maybe we should get Because I can't lift him either. Oh, you can't lift him? Oh, I can't, I can't lift him either. Uh, oh, oh, you can't lift him. Hey, man, like, there's a lot of battle of sexes type thing going on in the world these days. It's not something I really pay much attention to. But, you know, it is starting to get real annoying from a male perspective on certain things. You know? She basically femsplained me. You know, walking up on me, a man telling me what I can and cannot lift, getting into my business about lifting. It's like, listen, honey, if you can't lift anything, that's your business. 
Don't come up and make assumptions on me what I can and cannot do. Assess what I can and cannot lift. Get in here and run your mouth unhelpfully, like most women do when it comes to manual labor. It's not like I'm particularly smarter than you. That's why I'm stronger than you. I'm stronger than you because that's how I was made. God made me stronger than you. And the reason why I didn't lift this man up is the obvious that only male logic seems to notice. You know, the logical approach? She comes in, oh, oh, you need help lifting him? Oh, you, you can't lift him. You can't lift him. Well, I can't lift him either. Maybe we should get some help. Did I say I couldn't lift him? You said that. If you would take a second and be logical, number one, what, I should just lift up a person who's laying on the ground? You should check with a person before you lift or move them. So that's the first thing. I wasn't just going to lift up some stranger on the ground. I was asking him, like, so, like, what's going on? Can your le- Do your legs work? Can you stand? Like, what are you physically able to do? I was asking him. I don't know what his situation is. I don't know how he got out of his wheelchair. And number two, the obvious, he has pissed himself. How else do you lift a body? You draw it near to you. Now, I ain't gonna fucking squeeze up next to some drunken bum who pissed himself. You know, I'll give him a helping hand. I'll give him my hand and help him to his feet. But I'm not gonna pull him into me and drag him up. You know, he had pissed himself. The obvious logical thing. Now, if I had to lift that guy, no problem. You know, I'm not a superhero. I ain't some uh, crossfit bodybuilding expert. I'm not even particularly athletic. You know, I'm a medium-sized man who eats well, fairly well. I like my gummy bears and chocolate cookies and shit. But, you know, I'm a medium-sized man. I eat well. I exercise, push-ups, sit-ups, jogging. Things of that nature. And the way I'm designed is, if I wanted to, I could have probably picked that guy up and at least carried him across the street. At least carried him a few, a significant distance. Had I needed to. Right? That's the difference between men and women. She comes in there femsplaining me to death. Oh, you can't lift him, can you? Uh, well, I can't lift him either. Listen, stupid. You know, this has been the battle of sexes going on for years. It's like, the women, they always have this way of like telling you what to do and how to do it. And getting in there and just... See, what we need right now is um, some logic and some answers. Not your... Right? So then she gets in there. She's, she, she hunkers down next to the drunk guy, right? And she, she, she obviously doesn't know. She's obviously not cluing in that the guy's drunk, right? And she, she hunkers down next to him. And she starts doing that female thing that men can't stand, especially a man who's suffering. So whereas the homeless guy was somewhat ashamed to have to ask another man to help him up, he was at least kind of cooperating with me and somewhat listening to what I was saying. I was asking him like questions like, do your legs work? Like, What's going on with you? Can we help you up? She gets down there and starts mothering him, henpecking him. We're going to get you help, sir. What's your name? Hey, baby, what's your name? Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. Mother's here. Mommy's here. <laughs> the drunken homeless man goes, uh, what's my name? My name's Bozo. Bozo the Clown. She goes, Bonzo. Bonzo. That's a nice name. How do you spell that? It's like, are you so disconnected in your mother hen fucking crusade that you don't even notice that when you're being insulted? You asked the man his name. The man said, Bozo the Clown. She asked what the man's name was. The man answered, Bozo the Clown. She goes, Bonzo, that's a nice name. How do you spell that? Mother Hen, 
the crusader, she's here to help the day. It's like, you're not helping. You're making things worse. Why don't you fuck off? And she was so egotistical and imposing and making a big production of things completely unhelpful. And I remember I stood there and I was like, she interrupted where it's like, we had a certain momentum going to like, okay, we're about to solve the situation. Then she comes in with her bright ideas. What should we do? I'm going to take control. I'm here to help. What's your name? Bozo the Clown. Bonzo. How do you spell that? It's like, you notice how you're just talking and I was doing something? You know, like, you notice how I was helping and you're just kind of, I don't know, annoying everybody here? So, you know, she, she starts to call an ambulance, which to her credit is probably the best situation best answer in that situation he was on the ground he didn't seem like he could get up he had pissed himself that's what we have paramedics for these trained professionals that's the ugly underbelly of the job of the paramedic you know they got a hard job i mean you know they got to be on call on rescue for all sorts of tragic crazy situations so we call an ambulance and, you know, she's just running her mouth the entire time. Well, she called the ambulance. And she's running her mouth the entire time. I go, okay, guys, take care. And I walk off. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, what an egotistical person. What an ego-driven person. What a... Oh, wait a minute. So am I. So am I. You know? Her egotistical, imposing, blabbermouth nature riled up the ego in me to, you know, I stood around for a minute or two and once I noticed she wanted to take helm of the situation, I'm just like, okay, cool, take care, guys. And I walked off. And, you know, I said it with a bit of a sting. I'm like, okay, guys, take care. And I, <laughs> I just walked off. And... I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, wow. I, I was a little egotistical there as well. What should it matter to me what she thinks? What should it matter to me if she wants to impose upon me and femsplain me, you know? Oh, you don't know how to lift that, do you? Oh, you can't lift that, can you? Uh, well, I can't lift it either. Maybe we should... Uh, uh. What should it bother me if she's going to femsplain me? She wants to run her mouth and femsplain me all she wants. What do I care? All I know is if there was a burning building and that guy was laying there, I could have at least grabbed him up and dragged him, you know, out of the lobby of the building. I mean, I couldn't carry him up fucking two flights of stairs, probably. But you're like, I can move a body if I have to. <laughs> what do I care if she wants to femsplain me out of my manhood? Listen, it's just some fucking person talking at me. We both were in our egos. So, um, hmm. It's very interesting. And the takeaway for me is like, How we impose upon one another and how we, how we're invested in what one another say, how we impose upon one another and how we're invested upon what we say and think of one another should never matter. You know, you, you do unto others as you'd like to have done unto you. And if a person wants to say something or have an opinion on you, it should be like water off a duck's ass. Quack. <laughs> Who fucking cares? So that was a good ego check for me. You know, it's easy to point your finger and go, hey, look at that egotistical dumb bitch, right? And it's like, well, what else am I? I'm the same egotistical dumb bitch, you know, getting all in a huff because some woman femsplained me. I mean... 
What else would she, what, what else, what, what do most people do? They walk into a situation and they prorate it in their favor. I'm the smartest person here. I'm the smartest person here. I'm going to say something. I'm going to give an order. It's me. And that's how people are walking around in their own little worlds. Kings and queens of their own device. So. Bit of an eye opener for me. And going forward, folks, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. You know? Many interesting, titillating, tantalizing things to come here at JR the P before the end of the season. Very much so. All the best to you and yours, folks. Keep on rocking in the free world. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 5th in the year of our Lord. 2021. Yeah. What was I even talking about this episode? Femsplaining, impositions, egotistical, uh, biscuit bitches, and drunken, pissed out homeless people. Quite a mouthful. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, jamathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it. You love it. You realize it. Aight. Peace.